0: Well, okay, so here's what we come to. We come to that section of Scripture in my uh, book here, or my Bible here. It's uh, summarized as prophecy in tongues. You're like, uh-oh. Don't. Some people are like, uh-oh, man, please don't talk about this. Other people are like, yes, fantastic, you're finally going to talk about it. That's wonderful. Well, we have been talking about it because in chapter 12... We were introduced by Paul to the spiritual gifts. He doesn't give an all-inclusive list of spiritual gifts. We find them in other places in the Bible too, Romans 12. And we went through that last time. But what I want you to see here is one of three times in the New Testament, Paul says this in chapter 12. I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, When I was growing up, if you called somebody ignorant, it was sort of an insult, right? That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying here is, I want you to know about these things. I want to take the lid off, and I want you here at Corinth, who he's writing to, and for the church, I want you to know about spiritual gifts. I don't want you to be ignorant. He's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts, and remember, in that first verse, he actually it's actually spirituals, and then there's no word for gifts there. It's in italics in all of our Bibles. He wants you to know about the things of the Spirit. But then later, when he talks about the gifts in chapter 12, he uses the word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, some of you may recognize the word charismatic. Charismatic. And we talked about this. See, we believe that the gifts are for today. There are two camps in the Christian world. One who believe the gifts have ceased. They would uh, call themselves cessationists. Then the other camp in in the church are continuationists. The gifts continue for today. And in the cessationist camp, some uh, folks who are cessation don't believe that all the gifts have gone away. They only believe mainly that the miraculous gifts have gone away. And we talked about that. If you're wondering why that is and why we're uh, continuationists, well, here's what I would say. Go to the podcast and read or listen to two, two weeks ago. We went through that in detail. So we believe that the gifts are for today. You might be feeling, like I said, uncomfortable or excited, I don't know, and every uh, emotion in between. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to read through this a little bit, not the whole thing. Uh, We're going to try and cover the entire chapter. We'll see about that. Because here's why. Look at the first verse of chapter 14. You see, he had just written in chapter 13 the great message on love that now abideth hope or faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. You know what lasts into eternity? Love. It's the core of Christianity. It's who God is. God is love. He's not just that he's loving. He is love, and God can't act against his nature. He is love. God is love. And for those sons and daughters of the faith, and that's what we are in Christ, we're sons and daughters. We've been put into his family. Look at this. We have the love of God poured out in our life. Romans 5. How do we get this love that he talks about? It's poured out in our our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And, And what do you do to get it? You just ask. I mean, it's no big formula. You ask. Love is what is important. And in verse 1, he says, pursue love. And desire spiritual gifts. And then Paul says something interesting. But especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. If we were going to go over one verse the entire day today, I would want you to just remember this about tongues, is that tongues is speaking not to men, but to God. Listen, tongues is not on the horizontal. I always get horizontal and vertical mixed up, but I think I'm right this way. It's not this way. Tongues is not for me to communicate something to you about yourself or myself, I mean, I, all I do is just read. Tongues is God's word. So here he says, "Speaks in a t- uh, For he who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, watch this, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I, look at this. I wish you all spoke in tongues, or with tongues, Paul says, but even more than that, you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Now, what is going on here? Here, I want to just turn you back real quick back to chapter 12 you have to have this as a baseline if you just read 14 uh, separated from chapter 12 well i don't think you'll ever get it but here here he says right at the beginning in verse 3 therefore i make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of god calls jesus accursed and no one can say that jesus is Lord except by the holy spirit we're all on board so far aren't we no matter what camp we fall into. And then he goes, there are diversity of gifts, charis, charismatic. You're saying, I don't like the word charismatic. Well, if you believe in the gifts, you're charismatic. If you want to run around the stage and act silly and do things that are out of order, and you're running around and you're making a show of yourself versus a show of Jesus, then you're a charismaniac, That's different than charismatic. You get it? But if you believe in the gifts, that's charis. Don't you love charis? You love gifts. I love gifts. Well, here he says... There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversity of activities, but it's the same God, watch, who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. He gives for the profit of all. Listen, the gifts are to build up the church in a healthy way. That's what the gifts are for. It's to build up the church. You know this. And what was happening in in, uh, Corinth, he was addressing a specific problem. And the problem was that they were obsessed with spiritual gifts in an inappropriate way. It was the ultimate, the end all, the be all. And that's inappropriate. Just seeking after the gifts, just constantly. That's your whole Christian life. Gift, I need a gift, I need a gift. That's inappropriate. And yet, Paul says, pursue or desire spiritual gifts. So he's not against gifts. He just wants it in a balanced way. Are you, everybody tracking with me? In fact, later on here, he says he gives gifts to those, watch this, he wills. Spiritual gifts are given by God. They're not conjured up by you. Are, are you, you listening to this? You, you just read the Bible. I mean, I'm not being smart-alecky here. I'm really not. I'm just saying, just stick to the Word. He just says, I'm going to give to those He will. So, so we said, but come on, folks. I mean, He writes it right here. Our tongues or prophecy, or anything else, a sign that you're saved? No. If anybody teaches that, that's wrong. And I'm not being critical here. I just read the rest of chapter 12. It says this. God has appointed these people in the church, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. Verse 29, chapter 12. I mean, he says it plainly. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? See, the answer is no. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And then he goes and he says, the most excellent way is when you're loving When you are concerned more for the other than you are for yourself, and as the Holy Spirit brings this love to you that's poured out in your hearts, you're going to stick to the Bible and not be a show yourself. Guys, I turn on the TV with people uh, exercising the gifts, and I'm like, oh my gosh. It's like a spotlight comes down on the person, and they just want to tell you how amazing and spiritual they are. Because they're running around doing strange things, and the focus is on them. And that's never what the gifts are about. The gifts are for edifying the body so that we can glorify the Lord. Now watch. We go back over, and we're going to go through this. We're to pursue love, verse chapter 14, and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. This is fascinating because as you go through this chapter, you're going to learn that Paul speaks in tongues, and he likes for himself speaking in tongues. Now, what did we say last time that we were in chapter 12? He who speaks in a tongue is not speaking to men, but to God. What what are tongues? It's a personal, personal language of prayer. It's given by God, whereby the believer communicates with God beyond the limits of knowledge and understanding. And we said, right, it's a heavenly language. And I know the objections. Here's what people say. It's a heavenly language. And they say, come on, man, this is the exact word they use every time they talk about speaking in tongues. They say, that's just gibberish. Ever heard that? Yeah, I've heard that. Well, of course it would be gibberish. It's a language that's from heaven. When you get on the plane and fly from here to Europe and somebody speaks in Hebrew, I'm like, well, what would you say to the person? Man, that's weird. That's gibberish. No, it's the language that they communicate in. And we hear and see that these are mysteries, these are mysterious things. But he who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men but to God. That's verse 2. Now, you need to know this because this is really important. If you are a continuationist and you believe in the gifts of the Spirit, you need to know this verse. Stamp it on your heart and your mind. Write it in your Bibles. Know it. And here's why. If you misunderstand that verse, you're going to have somebody come up to you and speak in tongues, and then if there's an interpreter, which would be the only way that it should be speaking in the public assembly, if there's an interpretation, and the interpretation is, hey, Jan, uh, you know, I really don't like that you're wearing a gray sweater today. You know automatically that that's not an appropriate tongue. Why? Because a tongue is not speaking on the horizontal, person to person. What is a tongue? It's speaking to God. It's a praise, a prayer, a glory, a thanksgiving unto the Lord. How do I know this? Because, well, here's one famous verse, Acts chapter 10, or excuse me, Acts chapter 2, although there is one in Acts chapter 10 as well. But in Acts chapter 2, you all point to this, and we argue and debate over what happened on the day of Pentecost. But if you Read it, Acts 2:11 says, "We hear them speaking in our t- own tongues. The one, look, listen, what was the purpose of those people speaking in tongues in Acts chapter two? It wasn't to evangelize the people who were all there. It was not that, in my opinion. It was to proclaim the wonderful works of God. Acts 2 verse 11. You can go read it. Acts 10.46, I was just going to tell you this. I jumped ahead. What did they describe when they, uh, uh, the gift of tongues were being given? They heard them speak with tongues to magnify God. Isn't that fascinating? It wasn't to tell Jan something that she should or shouldn't be doing. Our little, hey, little children, repent of your sin. That might be an appropriate thing to say, but it's not the gift of tongues according to the Bible. This is something different. God doesn't speak, or for he who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men, but he speaks to God. So, watch this. A true interpretation of the gifts of tongues will be that it's God's word. Isn't that interesting? This isn't just the ability to interpret the preacher's sermon in someone's native tongue. Because the sermon is speaking this way. Are you getting that? So it's devastating to the ideas that tongues is just a human language spoken for human benefit. And so you can Go through that yourself, especially as we go through, and make that the thing that is guiding all of this. He who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men, but to God. By the way, just ba- I'm going to take a little detour right here, and then I'll jump back into the sermon. You know, I don't really think this chapter is about prophecy and tongues. It's just the problem that he's dealing with. And so you see the nature of prophecy and tongues. What he's really dealing with is order in the church service. You know how I know that? Because he gives you a really very difficult thing to interpret. In fact, some of you in here, the hair on the back of your neck is going to stand up when we read verse 34 about ladies keeping silent in the churches. It doesn't mean what you think it means. What it means was the way the church was set up. They were having problems in Corinth with order because... Look at the last verse of the entire chapter. Look at this. Let all things be done decently and in order. That is the re- that is the purpose of this chapter. And now He's addressing certain things that were causing disorder. But in the midst of addressing the disorder or the disunion, he's telling you how to exercise the gift appropriately, and he's giving you the nature of the gift. But what really he's talking about is order. Isn't that fascinating? Here he says, remember, speaking a tongue doesn't speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, remember, he speaks mysteries but and when we talked about that last week what's the nature of the tongue well the nature of the tongue is that you're groaning and uttering making utterances to the lord that maybe you don't even understand but you're doing it uh, towards the lord and what's fascinating is it's really interesting. It happens in here all the time. You know, you're burdened with something. You're, you, you've got a f- sadness about something. You have unforgiveness or bitterness in your heart. And you come here and you sit and you're just sort of existing. And then we get to sing praises unto the Lord and we pour out our hearts to the Lord. And what's really interesting is somehow, some way, he blesses you. When you pour out your life to the Lord, he blesses you. And you say, well, this is a language then that maybe you don't even understand, but it's word, And God, through Romans 8 and other places, is saying that you can participate in that language and you're going to be blessed. In fact, the Bible says right here, I read it to you, that prophecy, which we'll talk about in a minute, edifies the church. Tongues edifies the self or the person which, by the way, I don't think is mutually exclusive, because when you're healthy sheep, you produce healthy sheep yourself. Get it? And so, but 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 tongues edifies you. Prophecy edifies the church. And Paul is concerned in the church services, things were getting out of hand. You get that? They were obsessed with tongues over prophecy. Well, here he goes. Watch this. But he, verse 3, who prophesies, speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Now here you learn about something of the nature of prophecy. Do you remember this? I told you last time that we talked about this. we, We made a definition. What is prophecy? It's the telling forth of God's message in a particular situation. It's always, always, always in accordance with his word and his current work. Sometimes this may have the characteristic of foretelling something that's coming, and yet it's always measured by the word. Oftentimes it's a scripture given to somebody. I said this this morning. Have you ever been in here or somewhere else at the church, at a church, and the pastor's preaching, and you know, you've, you're going over a, a scripture, and you, you say to yourself, like after the church, you talk to your girlfriend or your friend or whatever, and you go, "I'm serious. I think he was listening into our conversations this week, because when he talked about that certain scripture, it was like it just overwhelmed me because I knew that it was just for me. See, that can be part of prof- prophecy. It's telling forth a scripture towards somebody to. In- I want you to see something, though. It always has to be this. I I, I need you to know this." It always needs, prophecy always has the nature of edifying people. What's that? Building people up, exhortation, and comforting to men. Comfort to men. If it falls out, look, watch. If it falls outside of that, you know, the Lord told me that you really should be serving... uh, I don't know, I'm making something up. You really should be serving me. <laughs> what would you say? You'd go, well, wait a second, hold on. I, th- I know you think you're prophesying, but that's not what prophecy is here. It's edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. There's the characteristic of prophecy right there. If it falls outside that, you'd know it's not prophecy. How do you judge prophecy? By the word of God. Here it is, the word of God. Bang. If it's in the future, what does it have to be? 100 percent effective. That's what the Bible says. They're 100 percent right. Everybody's still with me? Okay, watch this. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Do you think Paul has a low view of tongues? Because listen, some commentators on this chapter thinks Paul hates tongues. I, I totally disagree. <laughs> I think the opposite, he loves tongues. It's edifying to him. He's participating in it at home in his prayer closet. And yet, when he recognizes, when he comes into the assembly, it could do a lot of harm. He who speaks in a tongue it edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more than that, I wish you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So if somebody had a tongue here and they stood up and they spoke in tongues. What would we say? Here's what we would say. We'd say, oh, is there interpretation? there has to be an interpretation here in the church and if somebody if nobody said there was interpretation, we wouldn't be rude, we wouldn't be mean, we wouldn't shun the person. we'd just say, oh you, okay, thank you, but you're going to have to sit down because there's no interpretation. We wouldn't be upset with them and they would see here, if you're going to exercise the gifts, you can't get upset. Are you catching what I just said? You're not to get upset. Because if there's no interpretation, it shouldn't happen in the public assembly. Now, we're going to talk about when and where we would exercise these gifts. And we'll do that. If I forget that, I want you to raise your hand at the end and remind me. But now, brethren, verse 6. If I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy or teaching. Do you get what he's saying there? He's saying, if I come to you in the public assembly and uh, I start speaking in tongues to you and you don't have the interpretation, (laughs) it's like, hmm, well, thanks a lot, because I don't get a word you're saying. I don't understand. I don't know. What would be better for us on the horizontal level is maybe you had a word of knowledge, Or maybe you had a prophecy, or maybe you had a teaching. See, that would benefit us here in the assembly, wouldn't it? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you... "'Utter by the tongue words easy to understand. "'How will it be known what is spoken? "'For you will be speaking into the air.'" There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them was out significance. Therefore, if I don't know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. This is just, folks, I don't got a lot up here, but I can follow this, and so can you. And here's why. If you believe in the continuation of the gifts, you know this. If you've been in the military, there's this certain uh, call that you know you better wake up and you better get in line. If you don't, you're going to be in real trouble with the sergeant or whoever, correct? But there's a different call for maybe at night. You ever listened to a funeral and heard Taps play? That's a different call. And boy, is that touching right? When you've been to a military funeral, they're all different sounds. And what he's saying is, there are these languages that are different, but if you don't understand the language, it means nothing to you. If you're not in the military, it means nothing to you. And what he's arguing for here is, he's not against tongues, but what he's saying is, if you do it and stand up here, and nobody can interpret, it's really sort of useless, because it can't benefit anybody. He's saying it's better just to prophesy in the public assembly. Look in verse 13. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. That's fascinating. Here he actually says, why don't you just pray if you're so keen on tongues, pray that an interpretation would come with the tongue. You yourself make sure that it's God word, and if it's inappropriate, okay, then do it. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. You get that? There's something here where your spirit connects with the Lord and you speak this heavenly language. That's how it is, but my understanding is unfruitful. Because there's certain things, Romans 8 tells us, you just can't articulate. You, You get that? There's just certain things you can't articulate, and when you connect in that way with the language, wow, you're being built up. But when you do it with understanding, well, uh, you know, it could be unfruitful in this sense. There's no way to articulate what you're feeling. Just read Romans 8. He says it right there. It's not that praying with understanding is unfruitful all the time, but he's saying when you have this burden or you have this praise or you have this thing and the Lord has given you this gift, when he's, uh, as he wills, he's given you the gift of tongues, there's this time when, in fact, it's just so fruitful Uh, just to speak to the Lord in that way. What is the conclusion then? (laughs) Isn't this funny? He puts it together for us. It's like a little uh, term paper he's done here. It's just right here. What's the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. You think Paul was against sitting at home and praying in your mind, in, in most of our cases, in English no, he says it. But he says also there's a time with when in fact it's for my benefit at home, says it right there, to pray according to the Spirit. I will sing with the Spirit. In fact, there could be some melody to it. You, I mean, read just read it. I will sing with the Spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. But if you want to sing in English to the Lord, I... Have a friend who got a new Thanksgiving gift this week who goes out on his porch in the mornings and sings. Yes, do it. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen? And by the way, is there anything wrong, you stiff Americans, with saying amen in the public assembly? Well... You know, we want to do everything decently in order, and we don't want to be a distraction. And yet, here in Corinth, it looks like they were saying amen a lot. But how could they say amen if you were speaking a tongue that nobody can interpret? That's what this means. Everybody, good. Well, then keep coming this way. Amen. All right. Good job. If you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks? By the way, did you see it? Tongues is for giving of thanks. He just says it again. It's just over and over. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. You catch it? It's just over and over. He just keeps pounding the point. Tongues is fine, but look, if it's in the assembly, it's not as good as prophecy because prophecy edifies us all. Tongues edifies you. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Do you think he's bragging? I don't think so. What he's saying is tongues is appropriate. Uh, Yet, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. You know what I would write above that sentence? Love. (laughs) There's just the love of Paul. The love of Christ in Paul just pouring out of his life. He says, you know, I have this gift and I would love to just be at home and doing it. But, and, and, and I'd love even to you know, do it in the assembly. But I'm not going to do it because I know it could be harmful in some ways. You're like, harmful? Well, read on. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice, be babes. But in understanding, being mature. In the law, it is written. With men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that, they will not hear me. Do you know this is from Isaiah 28? And here is my plug for Wednesday nights. You know what this is talking about? This is in the uh, context of when the people of God from, uh, were taken to Babylon. That's called the exile. They were taken to Babylon for 70 years, and you know what they had to listen to? Babylonian language. So they were listening to Babylonian language, and of course, they learned it, yes, but at the beginning when they got there, the language would keep ringing in their ears as what? A judgment and a curse. Because we've been placed in a place, and they speak another language, and you... It would just hit them in a way that would be different than us. You get it? Because they knew then and they looked back at Isaiah 28 and they'd say, wow, men of other tongues, I'll speak yet for all that they won't hear me. Here's the most controversial verse of the Bible. You ready? I don't think it needs to be. It might be the most controversial verse of the Bible or at least it's in the top 10. Okay, It's this one. Therefore, Tongues are for a sign. Not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. You're like, wait a minute. You've just been talking and explaining Paul for 22 verses or 21 verses or whatever, and you're now saying tongues are a sign? I thought they were bad. See, I think what Paul's saying here is tongues are a sign to people who come into the assembly and you start speaking in tongues... And they're like, wow, this ain't good. In fact, you could take that, down. you get it? It's not a blessing. It's a curse to me because I don't understand it. Are you getting it? In fact, you could take it farther than that if people came in and they said, well, I don't have that gift and I don't think I'll ever have that gift. I don't even know if I'm in the family of God. I must be getting ready to get judged. Do you catch it? I think that's what the verse is saying. Tongues are for a sign. I don't think he means a good sign. I mean, I think he means a bad sign there. Tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. How is somebody going to sit here and listen to a prophecy who's not a child of God and say, Yeah, I know that's the from the Lord, man. Well, they wouldn't. Of course, they wouldn't. And yet, it can be a powerful tool. But if all prophecy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person come in, he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. And so, you can see that the Lord could even work out a bad sign or a good sign. Are you catching that? The Lord can do as he wills. And one of the things he can say and, and convict us about is wow. There's something going on there that's very, watch this, very balanced and very loving. And these people really care. I don't know what it is, but they're really impacted by the Lord. They exercise these gifts, and they do it in a loving way. And they do it so much, they even take into consideration me, who's an outsider, Paul. And there's, I want to know more. I think that's sort of what they're saying there, or Paul's saying there. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. See, if there's this thing that you have about gifts, okay, I I realize there are people in this sanctuary that don't believe in the gifts. I, I get it. I believe there's people that have had experiences that are way over on this side of the aisle that were Sort of out there and hurtful and abusive with the gifts. I I get it. And then there's people in between. And I think what the Lord is saying through Paul here is if we do these things decently and in order, it can be a blessing. Now he goes into the order in the church meetings. Now you really got to pray for me. How is it then, brothers or brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about Corinth. They didn't have buildings like this very much. Probably not at all. So guess where the people in Corinth met? What? In their where? Houses. Do you think their houses were bigger than a public assembly or smaller than a public assembly? Well, they were probably smaller than a public assembly. So watch. So whenever you come together, look, the physical location would have an impact on the order of your church. You ever been to a home fellowship? Raise your hand if you've been to a home fellowship. Well, we need to up that number. But if you've been to a home fellowship, you know what everybody says? They always say it to me, really snide comment. No, I'm kidding. They always say, ah, I love it here. Here's why. I get to ask questions, and we get to talk, and we get to exchange about the Bible. And yet, uh, uh, and so what I'm trying to say is a home fellowship or a place in the house is a little bit more intimate, isn't it? And the order and the distraction of singing a psalm Or having a teaching, or having a tongue, or having a revelation, or having an interpretation. It's a little more conducive to that. But let me ask you something. If we were in here, or in a bigger church, let's say you go to a 3,000 person church, and you have somebody walking up and down the aisles. Not even acting crazy, but just walking up the aisles and prophesying over and over again. How distracting would that be? Wouldn't that be distracting? Because it's just a different deal. And what happened here is, I think, and many people think, is that he's telling you what would happen in the intimate settings in Corinth. That each of you would have a psalm. That's good to have a psalm. That's great. There's a place for that. Each of you has a teaching. Each of you has a tongue. That's wonderful. It has a revelation. It has an interpretation. But let all things be done for edification. And as you grow into a bigger church, you see these sort of things can interrupt the order. Not that you're tied to the order. You still have. Uh, you're still responsive to the Holy Spirit. But see. We're trying to do things for the edification of the body. I always think of it this way. My mind is so weird, and I hate to bring up a football analogy, especially after yesterday. I don't know why I think of us this way, but I just think of us all just heading toward the Lord, right? And we're all just sort of, you know, walking together towards the Lord. And sometimes people over there, get sort of ahead. And that's okay, but sometimes people way out there get sort of behind. And all of us together, not just the pastor, but all of us together, we're all trying to bring everybody down to the finish line, the goal line, the touchdown, where Jesus will be. Of course, he's with us. Yes, we know that by the Spirit of God, but we're all trying to get there. And sometimes, even though you want to exercise your gift, sometimes if it's disorderly in the public assembly, it's not for the whole benefit, maybe for that person or that person. You're just, it's just sort of getting us out of rhythm to what we're trying to do, which is trying to edify each one of you. You know that? Look over there. We pick that on purpose. You know what the goal of our church is? To equip you for your ministry, Ephesians 4. We take it right out of Ephesians 4. We're trying to equip you now to go do your ministry. In other words, we're all coming down towards the goal line together. And some get ahead, some get behind, but keep equipping, keep equipping. And see, in a home fellowship or a believer's meeting, there's room and intimacy for that Exercising of the gifts. But recognize that a gift, hopefully, is happening right at this second. And that's teaching. So, why would the Holy Spirit interrupt the Holy Spirit in the public assembly? Do you get it? And so, we're just doing it decently in order. Do we think there should be a time to exercise the gifts? Well, A couple people in my family have been on me about that, and the Lord is really speaking about that. And you know what? December 29th at 7 p.m., we're having koinonia, and we're just going to wait on the Lord and see what the Lord does. And if we are there to exercise a gift, well, we're going to do it, but we're going to do it decently and in order. There won't be any running around or anything like that. And yet we're going to exercise the gifts if the the Lord calls us to it. Maybe it's a prophecy. Maybe it's a word of knowledge. Maybe it's a gift of healing. We're going to do it. We're just going to wait on the Lord. Because remember, he gives as he wills. We're not going to manufacture anything. We're just going to see. And if somebody stands up and does something or says something inappropriate, you know what we're going to say? Okay, that's not for today. let's, Let's talk about that later. Okay, watch this. All things are to be done for edification. Now watch this, 27. If anyone speaks in the tongue, he gives the, he gives the rules. Now if you come together and, and, you know, you've progressed from a smaller church to a bigger church, let all things be done. If anyone speaks in a tongue, now why would he say let there be two or three at the most? Come on. If you're in the public assembly and you have 75... And then you're trying to fit in, you know, other things and maybe other gifts. Well, that's disorderly. And then you're to take turns and you're to let one interpret. But if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. I want you to mark that. Do you see the love right there? Please see the love. You see what Paul's saying? Paul's saying, in a a sense, you know, when I get into the public assembly, Paul is probably saying, or the people I know who have the gift of tongues, oftentimes the gift comes to me. But guess what I do? I keep it zipped because there's there's no interpreter. And so I love these people, and I want everything to be done decently, in order. It's not about me. It's about them. Get it? And so he says... And let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Did you notice he gave some order for prophecy too? He's not just picking on, so to speak, tongues, but he gives an order for tongues. And then he says something really interesting. Let the prophets uh, speak, but then there are others judge. Judge what? Judge the prophecy. That's why we're saying... There has to be somebody, mature believers, who are there while the gifts are being exercised so that they can judge the gift. And if it's inappropriate, they have to just say, that's inappropriate, let's talk about that later. Is there anything wrong with that? Is that mean? No, it's just being according to the Bible or a biblical. And so the leaders of the church would step in or mature believers and talk to them or, or just, you know, vet these things so that... It's not getting out of hand. Watch. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. So prophecy's good again. And you're going to do it decently and in order and take your turn. You see that? So that not a lot of people are jumping up saying things. That would be confusing. I think I'm losing you. And I don't want to lose you because... It's okay. Because I think this is important for the development and building up of the church. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. I want you to see this. Those who are prophesying are subject and submit themselves to what the prophecy should be and can be and is detailed in the Bible. And so there's, look at this. There's some submission in the This exercising of the gifts. By the way, do you notice something about sitting still? If you're in the camp that is worried about gifts being way out there, I want you to take this to heart. I want you to write it down. Paul says, if I'm there and there's no interpreter, I just keep silent. This is a very important point about tongues. This is a very important point don't say to us that you can't control the tongue something just overcame me i fell on the floor i was kicking my feet and i just started speaking in tongues well that's not what paul says paul says you can keep silent which means you're not out of control there's no harm there's no danger of running into you know a spirit of the enemy here no god gives good gifts I want you to notice something here, time out. When you go through this verse by verse and you think about the context in which it's being said and you see the balance and the love here, I want you to know that the gifts reflect the characteristic of the giver. The Holy Spirit, the picture of the Holy Spirit or the symbol of the Holy Spirit, folks, is not a hawk or a falcon. The symbol of the Holy Spirit is a dove, which is peaceful and orderly and beautiful. And so in here, God's not the author of confusion, verse 33 says, but of peace, the dove, as in all the churches of the saints. You know what this means? Here's what I think it means. You can come to a church and they're quiet. Or you could go to a church and they're a little bit louder. You could go to a church that wears ties. You could come to a church that wears sweaters or t-shirts or jeans. There's different ways in which people worship, and that's okay. As long as in every church and in every style, watch, there's no confusion, but there's peace at the heart of it. There's a balance. This is beautiful, folks. This isn't something to fear or to be or to shirk. No, this is something that's beautiful. And it builds us up. Okay, now watch. Here's how I know <laughs> that this chapter is more about order <laughs> than it is about... Oh, yeah, she clears her throat here on this one. It is about order than it is about any certain gift or tongue. Because now he t- says something that... You're going to, even as I read it, feel like it's difficult. But I want you to see something, verse 28. Go back up to verse 28 before we read verse 34. It says, if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Did any of you get mad about that? Nope, none of you did. Now watch this. Let your women keep silent in the churches. Verse 34, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive as the law also says. Now, you know something from 1 Corinthians 11, if you've been following with us, you know that in 1 Corinthians 11, it's said that ladies are to prophesy and to pray in the church. So it can't mean what the news channels or the people who don't know the Bible say this means. You be quiet, you know, misogynistic and all that. That's not what's going on here. There's something going on here that's unique to the setup of the church that requires it. And it says here, and if they want to learn something, let them ask their husbands at home. You're chafing again. I know it. But it's not about that, for it's shameful for women to speak in church. It can't mean you can't speak in church And you just have to be quiet all the whole time. It can't be that. We read 1 Corinthians 11. You prophesy, praying together. And that's what we do. And look here. We come together and we sit. How do we sit? If I was sitting down, I'd probably sit there with Jan. But you see, Paul set up the churches like the synagogue was. What happened in the synagogue? On one side of the aisle were the men. On one side of the aisle were the ladies. Even marrieds, they didn't sit together. And apparently, when they got to Corinth, they instituted this setup. And while somebody was teaching or expressing a gift, Gertrude Gertrude yelled over to Bernie, Hey, Bernie, what's going on here? And Bernie would yell back, Hey, hun, it's the gift of tongues. Or somebody got a gift of healings. And so what Paul is just saying here it's about order it's not about one being greater than the other they're saying if you want to talk about these things because of the setup of the church do it at home now what do we do here if somebody's out there and you know you're sitting beside your wife or your friend or whatever here's what hopefully you'd do you know you've done it before What in the world is he talking about right now? You write a little note down and then he'd write back, I don't know, that's, you know, or boy, that was an amazing point. Or maybe you whisper to each other. See, we don't have this problem. We sit together. What he's saying is, listen to the gift that's being administered. And at the time, it's teaching. Everybody okay with that? Well, some of you might not be, but I want you to examine that because it's about order. It's not about ladies being inferior or anything like that. We've already gone over that before. Did I spend too much time on that? Okay, good. (laughs) Okay, look in verse 36. Or did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it you... Only that it reached. If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. Listen. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. In other words, if you're not willing to learn and to open up your mind in the right way, sometimes opening up your mind is not a good way. But what he's saying is, why don't you just take And listen to what I'm saying, which is a commandment of the Lord, but if anyone is unaware of these things and they want to continue to be unaware of them things, okay, that'll be you. Therefore, brothers, desire earnestly to prophesy. And look what he says here. And do not forbid to speak with tongues. Here he says, listen, if somebody has a tongue, we'll still let that happen. There has to be an interpreter. We're not going to just shut it all down, but it better be in the appropriate way. That's what Paul's saying. But man, I hope what we would do together would be prophecy. It's telling forth of God's Word, not... Hey, by the way, prophecy is not teaching what I'm doing here today, although prophecy can be found and come out of the teaching. How do I know that? Because in this chapter... Paul uses a different word from the word that he uses in teaching. Prophecy is different. Okay, so desire earnestly to prophesy and do, do not forbid to speak with tongues. And then here's another key phrase. Let all things be done decently and in order. Recognizing that the giver of these gifts is peaceful but powerful. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's real freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from sin and shame and guilt and hurts and unforgiveness and bitterness and lack of being content. And so, what we believe Paul is saying here is, We want you to exercise those gifts. Just follow the prescribed method that comes from the Lord. Don't take it upon yourself to just figure these things out, although there is some mystery behind it. Adhere to these principles, and in that there will be a great balance and a great benefit unto all of us. Let's pray. Well, Lord, we come here and we thank you for this day and we thank you for this word. I can't think now that I have been shown this, Lord, of a better chapter (laughs) to discuss over Thanksgiving because you give the gifts. Most importantly, you gave your son and now you give us the gifts and these are to edify the church and we want the church to be edified to be built up for their ministries, to have edification and exhortation and comfort. And so, Lord, help us in these areas. May we do everything decently in order, not just gifts, but the whole experience that we have with you at church. May it be done according to what you say and not what we say.